Good morning, church. Uh, We are currently in a series that we're calling Strangely Dim, and our hope in this series is that together we would set our eyes on Jesus. And as we do this, that it would begin to shape or reshape the way that we see the world and everything around us. And so let's do that together this morning by turning in our Bibles to Mark chapter 4. We're going to be reading verses 35 through 41. That day... When evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat, so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the winds and waves obey him. Let's pray. Father God, I just want to say thank you, Lord, um, for your faithfulness to us as a people. Um, God, this is, there's so much that you're doing in this season, Lord Father, this unusual season that we're in. And we want to people, we, we want to be a people who, who fully receive all that it is that you have for us, Lord God. So, so God, as we enter into our time this morning, God, would you give us hearts to receive, eyes to see, and ears to hear what you have for us as a people. And we just pray for this time together in Jesus' name. Amen. This past week, I had this sense that things were starting to return back to normal. Well, a new kind of normal anyway. There have been signs of life emerging. Um, we've seen small groups gathering from place to place. Shops, stores, and malls are starting to slowly open up. And in this moment, I began to reflect on the past few months and how far we've come since the beginning of this whole pandemic. And for many of us, you know, we, we may have learned a lot about ourselves in this season. I mean, think back just a couple of months about how we as a culture reacted to this pandemic. I mean, we were so full of fear and panic. Some of the first signs of panic in our society, was, we, we saw this at our local grocery stores. Everyday things, things that I've learned that I actually take for granted, were hard to come by. I mean, we were stockpiling and hoarding food and supplies. And in our panic, we set off this chain reaction of panic, panic, almost like echoes of panic as our anxiety started bouncing off of one person to another person to another person into another person. I knew that we had reached the full height of our panic, pandem- panic when I was out one day and noticed really long lines at a local gun store. And I thought to myself, like, what is happening right now? Now, there's more context around why I, was at a, uh, why I was by a local gun store, but I don't have time to get into it. But the point that I'm trying to make is that we were all in full-on panic mode. And if that wasn't enough, it was in this moment in time, as our entire country was standing uh, still, sheltering in place, there was an explosion of racial outrage because of images that we were seeing like in the, on the internet and in the news. It was like, boom, the perfect storm. Now, this storm was full of panic and fear 
It was full of stress, distrust, anger, outrage, and many other complex feelings. And this is actually some of what we see in our text this morning. And I want to point out three things that we see in our text. We see a storm. We see panicking disciples. And we see Jesus sleeping. And today, I want to look at these things in the story. And as we gaze at Jesus, I want to answer two questions. I want us to be thinking about two questions. One is, what can we learn from Jesus in the storm? And two is, what is Jesus inviting us into? In this story, uh, the storm is taking place uh, on the Sea of Galilee. And the Sea of Galilee is actually not a sea, but it's a large lake. I mean, it has several different names, but we most commonly know it as the Sea of Galilee. Now, my wife went on a trip to Israel a couple of years ago without me, but whatever. Um, And and I I wanted to share with you just a couple of pictures that she took of the Sea of Galilee. So the Sea of Galilee is close to 700 feet below sea level. It's one of the lowest freshwater lakes on earth, and it's located by the Jordan River, uh, by the Jordan River Valley. Now, the valley is surrounded by a semi-tropical climate. And when this moist, warm air hits the cool air of the valley, it creates these strong winds that are funneled and pushed down steep mountains and gorges. And it creates the perfect conditions for quick, intense storms on the Sea of Galilee. And in some ways, this is very much like where we are today. You have the perfect conditions of panic and outrage colliding together to create this perfect cultural storm that we've been in. But for the disciples, this is where they find themselves with Jesus. They're in the middle of a violent and intense storm. Now, we know that some of these uh, disciples were, were seasoned and experienced fishermen. I mean, the Sea of Galilee is the place where Jesus first met some of them. They were in their boats by the shore. And so we know that these waters were familiar places to them. Now, can you imagine this scene? They're out on the water. The storm is starting to hit and their waterman skills uh, kick in. You know, they're watching the storm direction. They're trying to navigate the boat. They're steadying themselves. They're watching the water, grabbing buckets. They're bailing water. They're possibly even like yelling at each other. Like this is no calm scene in our minds. And at some point, things really start going south. Their boats start flooding. Their boats start flooding with with water. And and their boats start flooding with panic. Have you ever been in a situation where you felt panic before? It's this sense of like impending doom. It's like a a fear of, of loss of control in the moment. Like your heart is pounding. You're feeling heart palpitations. You know, you, you can't even catch your breath, almost as if like hyperventilating. I mean, panic holds you hostage. Well, for me, uh, this happened once for my wife and I. When our kids were really little, we went on vacation to Hawaii. And one night, we got tickets to, to go to the Polynesian Cultural Center. Um, and we were there eating and experiencing shows and different exhibits And there were like hundreds of people there at the time. And at the end of our evening, 
everyone was exiting the center at the same time. In a split second, we lost sight of, our, of Zoe, our six-year-old daughter. And as we scanned the crowd for about 30 seconds, we couldn't see or hear her anywhere. We didn't know uh, if she was in front of us or behind us. And in a flash, in a flash of a, a second, we started panicking. And what probably honestly only lasted for a few minutes, it felt like hours. We felt completely out of control of the situation. We started feverishly running ahead, ahead. We ran back to backtrack our steps and we eventually found her and we were flooded with relief. And what happened was that she actually got swept up in the crowd and eventually she, she appeared as the crowd started dissipating. And as a parent, this was one of our, our worst nightmares. Panic sets in so unexpectedly. One moment you think, oh, I can handle this. I've got this. The next moment you lose all sense of control. You find yourself in, way in over your head. And as much as you try to rely on your ability or your capability, you soon find yourself exhausting all of your options. What you once thought you could handle, now you realize is fully out of your control. And this is when panic sets in. And this is the turning point for the disciples also. These are skilled fishermen. I'm sure there was uh, confidence that they could control the situation in the beginning, but the turning point comes when water is flooding their boats faster than they can bail it out. At that point, there was no control over the situation. And having no control over the situation, they turned to Jesus, who's sleeping in the stern of the boat. And in, in, in the midst of their feelings of helplessness, helplessness and hopelessness, they asked Jesus the question, Jesus, don't you care? This wasn't the only time in the New Testament that Jesus was asked this question by someone he loved. Martha asked the same question at her home when she was busy about cooking and cleaning while Mary, her sister, was sitting at the feet of Jesus. Martha, overwhelmed with her work, asked Jesus, don't you care? I think that these are questions that come naturally for us in the midst of the storm. This, this question came naturally for the disciples. In Jesus' response, he spoke into the storm. He rebukes the wind and the waves and stills the water. But now, once being afraid of the storm, the disciples are now terrified of Jesus. The text tells us they were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and waves obey him. The fear that the disciples had shifted from the storm to Jesus. Now, sometimes it's easy for us to make judgments um, on the stories in the Bible because, we, you know, we have the benefit of hindsight. We can look into this story 2,000 years later and think a lot of things about their situation based on what the disciples couldn't feel, fully see at the time. We have uh, the context of all the other stories in, in, in all of the New Testament, really. But we, we tend to make judgments and things like, of course Jesus is God. Could they not see that he was a Messiah? Why didn't they just go to Jesus from the start? Or like, why even care if he's sleeping or not? I mean, he's Jesus. Just trust that he knows what's happening and it'll be all okay. Everything will be all right. Or we scratch our heads and say things like, why are the disciples freaking out? These are guys who, who witnessed Jesus healing the sick, healing the lame, giving sight to the blind. They knew he could do miracles. Miracles are not a foreign experience to them. Well, 
let's remember that at that time, the disciples are still growing in their understanding of who Jesus is. I mean the fullness of who he is. So when they witnessed him calming the wind and waves, a new depth of knowing Jesus was revealed. And it was the storm that revealed who he really was. Because sometimes the fullness of who God is is revealed in the midst of the storm. Now, these are all things that we can learn when we call on his name. Up until this time, the disciples have been with him, witnessing miracles, seeing him cast out demons, sitting at his feet and learning his, his teachings. They have been on a journey of learning who Jesus was. My encouragement for some of us today is to hold on the best that you can because God is in the process of showing us who he really is. Now, I've spoken to several people in this season who are experiencing some really difficult things right now. Difficult things in their relationships, marriages falling apart, people struggling with like loneliness and isolation, loss of a job or even loss of a business. This is a season full of difficult things. And I want, I want to encourage you, Jesus does see you. And I want to encourage you to hold on, even in your weariness, just hold on. Maybe in this season, you're asking the question yourself, Jesus, don't you care? Lord, I just got let go from my job. Don't you care? God, my marriage is falling, falling apart right now. Don't you care? God, I am so filled with anxiety and depression. Jesus, don't you care? I feel alone and isolated, disconnected and unseen. Jesus, don't you care? God, it feels like the world is falling apart right now. Don't you care? Well, I, I, I want to encourage you, God is with you. You know, when Jesus was sleeping in the boat, I don't think that he was sleeping because he was indifferent to the situation or because he had a lack of concern for what was going on. Personally, the reason why I think that Jesus was sleeping in the boat was because in his humanity, he was tired. If you read uh, in the previous verses and chapters of the text, um, it had been a long and exhausting day of teaching to masses of people on the Gil uh, Galilean hillsides. So I think he was exhausted from a long day. But I also think that Jesus sleeping in the boat was an invitation to his disciples and to us. He's model, modeling something so good that he desires for us. You know, sometimes we project onto others what we would do or how we would act in any given situation. We, we actually judge people based on our own behaviors and opinions. And this actually happens a lot in marriage, but I'd love to explain to you what I mean. Is it possible that the disciples were upset at Jesus because Jesus wasn't reacting to the storm the way that they wanted him to? Did they expect Jesus to be swept into the echo chamber of panic that was happening on the boat? Or was turning to Jesus their last ditch effort after exhausting all of their options. 
See, I think that Jesus knows for us, uh, when we try to control everything in our lives, it's exhausting. And he has an invitation for us into a better way of living. Jesus calls us to him in, in our weariness. He invites us to give him our burdens. In exchange for our burdens, he gives us rest. He says, if we take on his yoke and learn from him, he's gentle, his gentle and humble ways that we will find rest for our souls. These are the ways of being that Jesus models for us. These are the ways of being that he invites us into. John 14.27 tells us that Jesus gives us peace. It says, peace I leave, live, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. This is the kind of peace that makes it possible for us to sleep in the storm. He offers us peace and he tells us that, that we don't have to be afraid. Now, I want to acknowledge that for some, not living in anxiety and fear is easier said than done. There are, there are such things as clinical depression and panic disorders. And I want to say that God knows and he does see you. True and real peace is available to all of us, and it's found in Jesus. We are all growing in our understanding and knowledge of who Jesus is, and this is certainly for, for a lot of us, for all of us, is going to be a lifetime endeavor. And, and the more that we grow in our relationship with God, the more we can grasp the peace that is made available in him. And I believe, just as with the disciples, the more that we know him, the more we have access to the peace he offers. We need to give ourselves grace as we grow in our journey in knowing Jesus. In Christ, there is peace in the midst of the storm. Entering into his peace or accepting his invitation to peace doesn't mean that we, we don't care about the things that are going on around us. Entering into his peace means entering into a better way to live. His peace brings about a renewal to our souls that sustains us through the storms that we experience in this life. I want to close our time by blessing you with a word out of Psalms. It's found in Psalm 62, and it's the first two verses. It says, Truly my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him. Truly he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. May you meditate on this verse this week, and may it bring you encouragement and peace in whatever circumstances you find yourself in. Let's pray. Father God, I just want to start by saying thank you for your peace, Lord. God, thank you for your invitation to peace. And God, we, we confess we want to accept this invitation, um, but God, sometimes things get in the way. And so, Lord, whatever is in the way of us accepting your invitation of peace, Lord Father, I pray that you would remove it. God, so that we could be a people who fully embody your ways so that when we hold you up, Lord Father, that all men and women would be drawn to you. God, we love you and we thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name, amen.